You are listening to Talking I.O., a podcast about technology in the real world, where we discuss enterprise technology, how to sell it, and how it best helps your customers. Your hosts are Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon, and we work for Dell EMC. Follow us on TalkingIO.com or on Twitter at TalkingIO. Hello, everyone. Thank you all for joining uh, another episode for Talking I.O. This is your host, Stuart Harmon. This week, Christian Cloud is off on vacation, so I'll be flying solo today with my special guest, Alan Klingerman. Alan, you want to take a minute to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is uh, Alan Klingerman, and I am a senior manager for all of the national solution providers, so our top seven largest Dell EMC titanium partners for all of the solution architects. Great, great. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. Uh, we're going to start talking a little Azure Stack Um super excited to have this discussion i think this is a really cool product uh and it's so funny i was talking to a customer last night at dinner and we were talking about azure stack and cloud and you know they were talking about how oh well it's difficult to manage this for my side or we can't tweak this knob and we can't dial this button right like like we like to do in the technology world and i said yeah man but you know you guys can't figure this problem out, so your line of business is just going to go by the cloud and get rid of you guys and click a button to get all this stuff done without having to have this conversation. And it was so funny, the look on his face. He's like, I hadn't even thought about that, right? Guy was brilliant, super technical, uh, but I think it's so important for our customers and our, our ability to, to, to help talk to our customers about this workload and orchestration and the ability to for their, their line of business to just click a button and deliver and not wait six months for IT to put it on a project list, right? And that's what we're, I think we're trying to get to at the heart of everything we're working on today. No, I would completely agree. In fact, in my 30-plus years in uh, IT, it's very interesting, right? You always get to see the pendulum shift from one extreme to the other. So I've lived in the world of you know, large mainframe systems that used to take rooms to power and cool, um, to distributed systems with uh, x86, which eventually grew up to be powerful enough uh, to virtualize and do, you know, we'll say put more things, uh, you know, from a virtualization perspective on the same amount of resource, uh, and then shift now from that virtual world to cloud computing, which is pretty interesting, right? It's almost back to the, the mainframe days of saying, hey, look, uh, it was something called time sharing back in that point in time of, there's a lot of resource out there. Could I manage and utilize it and get to a business outcome faster than I could on my own, right? This is certainly important in the days of mainframe, and, and now it's changing what we've done to distributed computing and, and how we're entering this new era of, we'll say, new edge devices and artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, with things like the, the, uh, the investment we just made, right, in fact, that Michael announced recently of a billion dollars within the Internet of Things. And kind of how do we drive that from edge to the core to the cloud? So one of the things that, and this is back to your point there, Stuart, one of the things that I saw recently that was rather interesting is um, there's a Gartner study that went out, and they, they were looking to kind of take a look at where, from a budgetary perspective, right, where is IT spend going? Um, and I think a lot of people still think that the spend from an IT perspective sits in central IT, right? And we all protect it and put it behind our firewalls and manage and maintain it for our organization. Um, there's been the shift to right now, uh, there's about 49% uh, that's made by the business unit and ex expected to expand uh, over the next five years pretty pretty rapidly up to 75%. So 
that shift of being able to achieve a business outcome uh, much faster is honestly the most important piece of leveraging any technology like hybrid cloud. Absolutely. And that, that's what it's all about, right? We're not a, I think sometimes we forget, we think we're here to get really cool new toys, but it's, it's all about delivering business results. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'll say the one thing I, I think that is different between today and the mainframe is right. Even when you had timeshares, it took a process. It took a long time to figure out what application you were going to run computations against. Uh, today, a business owner looks at an application guy on his staff and says, Hey, I want to be able to do this. Go figure it out. And if they can't spin it up and have an answer that afternoon, um, they're going to go to Azure or they're going to go to AWS and they're going to spin it up out there if, if the IT department can't do it for them, right? No, I, absolutely. And, and I would say that is it's kind of interesting because this push-pull that's occurring, and you're right. I mean, the service delivery expectations from the business unit to remain competitive in today's day and age has significantly changed, right? It's no longer about, you know, being able to deliver an, an outcome to the business unit to achieve something in six months like it was in the in the timeshare. And now it's, now it's, to your point, in six hours, right, six, six business hours, I already want to see some type of result, which has forced you know, a lot of organizations to look at how do I operationalize myself and leverage the intellectual property we have within our IT organization to deliver you know, better business transformation and better business outcomes to make me more competitive in the market and drive more revenue or profit. Absolutely. And to do that, uh, we're going to talk about Azure Stack today. So I went out a couple of weeks ago and, you know... <clears throat> I went on Azure and I fired up. Uh, I did their trial. If you haven't done it, I think anybody that that lives in the IT world, and, and I know most of you done Google Cloud or, or AWS, Azure is just a it's a nice looking platform. It's super simple to use. They've got a bunch of things pre-installed out on that platform. Uh, uh, you know where you can just go walk out and click. I want to go deliver a web server. I want to go deliver a new SQL database. I want to go plug in an AI server, right? It's, uh, it's awesome. Um, and all you have to do out there is just go on to Azure. I mean, search, I guess, Bing it, right? I guess it's mean to say Google it, but, uh, uh, right. Go out, search for Azure, drop on the Azure portal and you can sign up. I, I signed up in two minutes. You don't even have to put a credit card out. They give you the equivalent of a $200 credit. Uh, and, and you can have, I had a server deployed in 10 minutes sitting on my couch, uh, on my tablet, right? It was just, excuse me, uh, it was just in a great experience. So you take that, and obviously public cloud has some issues, so Azure's come out with their new platform. So, uh, Alan, I guess a couple of things. First, you've been involved with this Azure right before the Azure stack, so can you give us a little bit of history where your involvement's been around this Dell EMC product and what the product is? Sure, sure, yeah. It's actually been quite a long journey for for Dell EMC in its space, we, we actually broke grounds with Microsoft uh, as their only partner back in 2015. Uh, initially, it started with something called the CPS, or Cloud Platform System, that many listeners probably uh, would not be familiar with, uh, and, and there's a good reason why. I was basically trying to take the Azure experience and sell it out to um, the service provider market. The reason being is Microsoft was trying to grow, just create a distributed architecture, uh, you know, so that I've got good resiliency throughout the throughout the world, 
and to make sure that I've got low latency. So they went up to the carriers, so the large AT&T, Verizon, a lot of regional players, and said, hey, would you like to have a, a version of Azure running on your network for your regional partners? Um, we had significant success there. Uh, we, we, we grew, and, and, and in fact, I mean, from a market of zero, right? It was a market that was undefined, and, and there was no sales to it because there was nothing like it available in the market, um, to over $186 million worth of sales in the first month. Uh, Microsoft was amazed what we were able to do together. And one thing that's kind of interesting in this, it was actually a the Microsoft sales team that was using an engineered system approach, just like we helped them in their public Azure offering, that they were selling. So Dell EMC wasn't even worth, was not even involved in the selling motion of this. It was all Microsoft, you know, allowing their customers to extend out um, the Azure uh, architecture. The interesting side note is a lot of end users, uh, large end users, saw that and got super excited, and they're like, hey, that's fantastic. I would like to have that experience on-premise for me, because there's a lot of things, this is to your point earlier, Stuart, there's a lot of things either because of latency or security and privacy that can't sit anywhere be, you know, outside of my firewall. So why, you know, I'd really like to have a, a hybrid IT experience between what you're doing in the public Azure where I'm already consuming, right, some, some resources, and my on-premise equipment. Could you provide me some framework, a common framework between those two? Um, so we launched a, a smaller version of CPS that was done at a, a rack scale, meaning a full rack system. Uh, there was nothing smaller than that, and not everybody can consume a, a large system like that. So we came out with a, a modular approach uh, with a product called the Dell Hybrid Cloud System. Um, that was powered by the previous version called Microsoft Azure Pack. Um, as Microsoft has continued to grow the platform, uh, as you kind of indicated, you got to see the ease of use and, and that service catalog and what that experience can be like from a business unit trying to consume an application or a service, right? They said, hey, uh, I, I would like to have a consistent experience be between these two. Microsoft made some changes in the public cloud um, that didn't carry over to Azure Pack. So we had great traction there, a lot of interest, a lot of customers deployed, um, but it couldn't, you know, they wanted something that kept pace and a single consistent platform uh, from both a infrastructure as a service and a platform as a service architecture going forward. Certainly Dell hybrid cloud system with Azure Pack was great for infrastructure as a service and building out a service catalog for virtual machines um, to spin up specific business applications on-prem. But they said, hey, could I really create a consistent experience for both, you know, my traditional architected, you know, applications, a lot of these common off-the-shelf uh, for infrastructure as a service, but I'd also like to do that for all these applications. I've got teams of DevOps, you know, uh, developers today that are out there developing you know, a whole new application set to transform my business. So can I provide that same platform as a service ecosystem between the two? And that's what we, we certainly have achieved together um, with Azure Stack. Obviously, as this product has grown, the market opportunity has grown. Everybody, I think, realizes at this point in time that we're going to live in a hybrid IT world. Um, so everybody's extremely interested of what this looks like from a single eco ecosystem, a unified application development platform with Azure services both in the public cloud or in, in, in your own uh, data center with a management interface that provides consistency between the two. Yeah, the Azure Pack 
it was like somebody put a, a gooey skin on it and it looked like Azure, but it it, it wasn't completely Azure, right? Uh, yeah, it was actually, it was based off of Azure 1.0 in the public cloud, um, not on kind of the current version uh, 2.0. Uh, so that's kind of the progression as Microsoft has grown the public Azure service, you know, as well. Cool. And when we say consistency, so when I go to, to deploy a, a workload in Azure or a new server, whatever you want it to be, right, I go through and I check, click some buttons on CPUs and a couple other things, right, and I make my choices, then I choose what region I want to deploy in, uh, west, west to east, Europe, whatever that might be. I understand Azure Stack from an end user, from a, a, a an end user perspective. All I do is I check, click the region in-house or whatever that region's titled, and I deploy it on premise, right? Um, like it's it's yeah. that consistent that that's all I have to do is choose a region. Correct. No, no, absolutely. So that's all managed by something called the Azure Resource Manager, and the Azure Resource Manager is consistent between the two, you know, both the the public and private versions of Azure Stack, and and that's exactly right. But here's the great thing: is that you know, as IT, you look at it from kind of three lenses, right, of, of how does an organization see, you know, at the Azure Stack appliance and how do they utilize it. Number one, from an IT perspective, right, it gives them the policy and control that they want and they're used to, right, to protect their organization because it's what they've always done. But it provides them the automation tools to more quickly, you know, achieve a business result um, and publish service catalogs like you saw for their own internal applications, be they common off-the-shelf applications, internal custom applications, or applications that are cloud-native at this point sitting on Azure. Um, so IT gives them that policy control so they could say, hey, for this specific application set, they might ask it in business unit terms, because you wouldn't see this in the public side, but things they can do on the private, to ask them things to build out that service catalog when they make the request. And they could say, you know, for example, are there some compliance reasons why this couldn't live in the public cloud? They might word it different, but you get the, the concept and idea here. And then based on that, when they would say, okay, I want to spin up a new SQL instance, it's not even give the end user business unit, a, you know, the choice of where it's going to live. They can create that and, and have that good policy control that they need for their organization. But from an end user perspective, still gives them, you know, the business unit's a single click, right, and the easy button of, hey, I'm just trying to run a new marketing campaign and I have a new software application that's based on SQL and I need to deploy this instance. I don't have IT experts and I don't want to wait for IT to do it for six months. Can I do that more easily? Yes, and, and we'd roll in, you know, an Azure Stack solution to do that. And then the last one, right, that I think everybody's starting to develop is, is a DevOps practice where they're, you know, trying to look at how do I build applications in a different way to to modernize and transform my business to compete better in the marketplace. Cool. Uh, you know, it's funny. We're letting end users play with the, the toys now, uh, or business developers, right? And I, I think every system administrator's nightmare has always been letting the DBAs touch the system or the app developers go deploy their own stuff. Because you get into to over-provision, you get into too many uh, system resources being consumed. All of a sudden, it's a bad experience, and it's the IT guy's fault for... Uh, not having fast enough hardware or not having enough storage out there. Uh, can you give me some idea or give us some idea of, of how that's managed to in Azure? Does it automatically say, hey, we've got too many workloads? Does it pump things out to the public cloud? Uh, 
do you put a freeze on it? I, you know, planning and, and resource capacity planning is, is a tough one. It, yeah, it can, it can be, but I mean, that you hit, you nailed, I think the biggest, you know, piece is just like a virt, any virtual environment, right? Because if we t- think about the elements that make up Azure Stack, and this is important to understand to, to kind of get to that answer. If we think about the elements that make this up, right, it's, it's in the case of Dell EMC, we're utilizing the latest Intel Skylake processors across a hyper-converged node using, you know, Microsoft Storage Spaces Direct. So all the latest and greatest technologies to provide that, you know, from a virtual perspective with Azure Stack as the orchestrator for the whole platform, right? Instead of loading Windows 2016, uh, think about it as core services like Windows Nano that's sitting down there to provide virtual services underneath Azure Stack. Um, the great thing is, you know, we have, there is already, and, and has been actually since Azure Pack, some great tool sets built in out of the box to manage and, and look at growth utilization over time for all three assets, right? So server storage and networking, because again, since we're all hyper-converged here, we know they're not gonna get utilized in the same manner across a different set of workloads, so I need to be able to manage all three of those metrics. And then based on those metrics, to your point, right, now you have the ability in a hybrid cloud motion, um, and this is certainly different than anything else in the market, of being able to burst out, for example, if I did need some more resources or I had something that was compliant that I I have some maybe data sets that I could store in blobs that live on-prem and the rest of the data could be archived out to the cloud, you've got that flexibility and policy control with a great dashboard um, and resource manager to kind of help gauge that, which frankly in the marketplace up until uh, you know, tool sets that are out there from one of our Dell technology sister companies like vCenter Ops, think about it as like vCenter Ops, you know, built into uh, Azure Stack to provide those resources and that hybrid cloud flexibility. Very cool. Uh, you mentioned HCI, right? And I picture this is, is I guess it's not an appliance style HCI. What is what is Azure Stack from a, under the covers? The hardware look like? Uh, sure, sure. So uh, we, we've actually got a, a, a number of configurations right now. Nine total configurations um, of Azure Stack. Uh, I, I think we are talking about the important pieces up front, right? Which is is what is the output and what's the value around the platform. But I think it is important to understand what this looks like from a hardware perspective. Yeah, and one of the reasons so I got, ask uh, is. You know, yeah. I, I think through a couple of things, when I think about like our VxRail or our, our Nutanix platform with XE, uh, and as we scale, right, I just, I, I picture, I start with a few nodes and I go slide in another node as I go, right? And I just kind of move on down the line for scalability. Uh, obviously there's a difference in uh, physical scalability and then that that business front end, right? The ease of the use for the business and they're, they're, yeah. they're two different conversations. Um, but as we were talking through that, you mentioned HCI, I'm like, uh, is H- is Azure really an HCI or is it a pre-configured and I move it out in new chunks? So please. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a great question, and and, and it is since it, it, it is all a hyper-converged architecture, right? That kind of leads us to our our configurations that we just talked about. Um, so we, we have today either four, eight, or twelve. So a little different than you mentioned of what you would think of a traditional hyper-converged, right, from Nutanix or VxRail. Where, you're, where you have the ability to add one at a time. When, we, when this was built, right, and we go back to how Microsoft designs the Azure public cloud, um, it needs to be designed in a similar fashion. So this is designed just as Microsoft consumes this 
in the public cloud. Um, so in four nodes, and what we kind of call four node increments, four, eight, or 12, and then within those, um, we've got a low, mid, or high compute option. Uh, and what that refers to, so the kind of fixed configuration, 20 core, 24 core, or 28 core, with a fixed set of memory, um, SSDs, and, and uh, you know, bulk storage capacity. Cool. And so I size it. Can you grow what's there, or would I just buy another? Let's say I'm trying to scale out my on-prem, or would I just buy another Azure stack, and it would be, when I go into my region selection, it would be like Azure on-prem one, Azure on-prem two, uh, on or Azure on-prem one's full, go to Azure on-prem three now. Yeah, no, no, you got you have a great question. So Microsoft has a very robust roadmap of where they're taking the on-premise. Think about this as kind of version 1.0. So in version 1.0, right, the idea is one cloud endpoint, as they kind of refer to it, and that cloud endpoint is what's a scale unit. And today's scale unit for the on-premise is up to that 12 nodes. Uh, you're going to quickly see, like, the first iteration on the roadmap early next year is going to take that from 12 nodes to 16 nodes. So that kind of full, you know, fills out an entire, you know, 42U rack at that point. Um, then I kind of go, if you look at futures beyond that 16 nodes, you could continue to con grow those, right? Uh, meaning I can't scale them, but I could have separate instances. But what the, the first thing that will need to be there to support that is exactly what you just called out there, Stuart, which is multi-region support. So today it's a single region extended out into the public cloud for disaster recovery and backup. In the future, you'll be able to do multiple regions, with, and then they are leveraging various partners to provide replication between multiple Azure Stack premises, similar to technology that they're using uh, in their data centers. And then you are going to see, after the multi-region support, multi-scale units. In Microsoft terms, multi-scale units just means more than a single rack. So I want to, I filled a rack, I w and I have a region defined, I want to be able to grow another rack in that same region. So think about this as version 1.0, let's help our customers get in that, that first step of the journey of moving forwards to developing things in a platform as a service motion as opposed to, you know, rolling common off the shelf apps. But it has a, a very, you know, robust future as to how they're continuing to grow out the stack. Very cool. Uh, so as I look at this from a, I guess as we're going down this product path, right? Dell EMC, we were first to market with Microsoft and some of their on-prem cloud solutions. Uh, I guess it, it's kind of two questions there. Uh, it sounds like this is maybe the, the cleanest, easiest platform as a service I, I've heard of yet. Um, so by far. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like, man, I dropped this in, and obviously there's some work to do from a services perspective and, and an install, but uh, I don't know of another product that's that clean. And more importantly, again, we're trying to align with the business and make the business easier, and the business knows how to use Azure. They might not know how to use some other orchestration tool out there. It might be just a natural uh, thing for them. So I, I think that's awesome. Uh, what is our product, right? So there's there's other players out in the market. What what really differentiates differentiates the Dell EMC offering? Uh, from maybe some of our competitors out there? No, that's a, a great question, Stuart. And, and this goes back to our heritage of what we did with the cloud platform system. Um, and, and while we're trying to create the easy button for our end, end users, right, 
even those in IT to, to spin this thing up and get some business value and quick ROI out of it, uh, you know, these can be very complex systems. And, and we've got a long matured process from an engineering perspective to bring these to market. We know what's required. We know the, the challenges that can be there. So here's what I'd say and, and how we're significantly different than anybody else in the market at this point. Outside of the fact that we were the only ones going all the way back to Microsoft in this journey since 2015. Because of that, we took a little bit different approach from anybody else in the market. And our approach said, hey, instead of just, you know, taking a group of, of uh, you know, standard, industry standard x86 platforms, which we've already talked about, right? Um, in our case, they're based off of our 14th generation PowerEdge R740. So instead of taking and, and moving those out, right, and deploying them on site. So think about this. I send a, a bunch of parts. I drop it onto the customer's dock. And then I have some guys come in and try to stand this thing up from a services perspective. That's where everybody else in the market is today. Here's what I can share with you. Because I was, I've been, I sit along with our product team and have been since 2013 on the development of this product, and I understand the technical intricacies and the literally, like in, in Azure Stack, we've got over 10,000 hours of development and automation work that we've done sitting around this engineered system and appliance. Um, think about how do you, if you have don't have that experience, you haven't orchestrated the whole thing, you haven't developed the software stack. It's not as easy as let's pull this, this soft, this common off-the-shelf software framework called Azure Stack and load it on a bare metal box and achieve an outcome. Uh, it, it's very similar in motion to what we do with our other, and I'm, I'm glad you called that out, Stuart. It's very similar uh, to what we do with our other engineered systems, right? Uh, and, and in fact, some of our heritage EMC customers are what they're used to on BCE, which says, "Hey, look, I have a platform." And, there's enough, and what I do is it's regression tested as a single system. So you remove complexity from the customer because I can go, hey, look, instead of regression testing this version of VMware with this specific patch, with this new version of firmware on the top rack, which um, with this latest version of Perk, we all know as those things change, right, if I don't have time as a customer to remediate and test those in my environment, what's going to happen? It's going to break. And now somebody from a services perspective is going to run into all of those challenges in the field. Even a reference architecture, right? Well, it's great, and you, you kind of spend all this time. You put a bunch of engineering resources in a room. You develop a document with all the firmware and everything and how you tested it. Well, do things in IT remain so static? I think we all know no. <laughs> so that reference architecture, as soon as it's printed, frankly, is somewhat irrelevant, right? Because now all that information is great that we put all those the great people in the room to pull it together, but every, things have already changed by the time that team has taken and published that document. So if I do it in an engineered system approach where I can go, hey, why wouldn't I roll this rack in? You know, it may not be quite as easy as hitting the power button, but think about it as that kind of instant on. Instead of somebody spinning thousands of engineering hours trying to stand this up on premise for a customer from a box of parts, we've already taken that that whole component right away from the customer and made it simpler to deploy. I think the second thing, and this is probably even more profound than that first step, is 
you know, we're moving away, especially with Azure Stack and cloud-based development, we're moving away from the old days of a, of a software product that was packaged and delivered to a customer to deploy on an x86 software. Um, right, so for example, Windows, and, and hopefully everybody is aware of this at this point, like Windows Server 2016 technologies, right, which Azure Stack utilizes and leverages a lot of that. That's the last big bang Windows Server product that's going to be in the market. Everything going forward is going to happen on a rapid delivery schedule, similar to what has happened on the, on the client side with Windows 10. So as I go through that iteration, I think a lot of organizations are, and you kind of called some of this out earlier, you know, some of the organizations are having a hard time grasping how am I going to keep pace with that change. What we've done with our engineered system approach, since we understand every component that's in the engineered system, I now can guarantee and support it in a similar fashion for every customer because I know every customer has one of those nine configurations. So if I'm trying to remediate and troubleshoot something, it's going to make it easier for us to support the customer. And even more importantly, we do the automation and regression testing for the hardware in that platform. So think about it as the easy button, right, of, hey, look, I need to upgrade hardware and software to keep pace with all of the hardware implementation changes and the software implementations for Microsoft and Azure and update once a month and, and have something that's baked, tested, and, and regression proven, right, in an environment before I roll it live in production. So just our approach from anybody else in the market and how we help deliver it and manage it over a long period of time provide, you know, significant PCO. Very cool. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, reference architectures are great, but somebody still has to click all those buttons just perfectly. Um, exactly. And, and like you said, when, when, when we've got nine configurations and, you know, a thousand customers or 10,000 customers running it, uh, it, it, that's wonderful. So that really does uh, narrow downtime to resolution and mass fixes and keeps the one-offs from happening. Uh, is this part of our converged platform and solution division, what was formerly VCE? Uh, yes, absolutely, and you might have seen uh, the, the naming change. So you're, some people that have followed the product for a little while because I've had some customers ask me. <laughs> so we, we the solution name that you'll kind of hear is still out there from a marketing perspective is the Dell EMC Cloud for Microsoft Azure Stack. But the actual product, right, to kind of indicate that this is part, a member of the CPSC team um, is, is actually VxRack AS. AS standing obviously for Azure Stack. Awesome, and and the rack is you know VX rack is just we've got a couple of flavors of it, but but big racks of workload. Very cool. Um, <clears throat> if you're a customer, where are you going to start with this? Right, it, it's <laughs> we were joking. I was joking with somebody yesterday, and we're like, you know, we keep seeing where where cloud gets expensive, and so there, you know, we're we're hoping at the end of the day there's going to be some cost savings pulling this stuff on premise. Um, but that's not really where we start. Where are we where are we getting started with our customers? No, you bring up a great point, and and certainly there are those workloads that where customers that uh, you know, certainly have looked at it, and and in fact I've helped many customers repatriate their workloads back from the public cloud be, like because that. Repatriate. of you know, unknown consumption costs, right? Un yeah, uh, unknown consumption costs, right? And bring it back in house so that we can control it better. Um, but yeah, I, I would not say you know certainly we can do that. Certainly we can help the customers. I think the, the two areas that are the most interesting, right, to really bring in first and foremost is 
specifically its platform as a service, right? So if you think about digital transformation and what it means to an organization to be able to flex and compete better in the marketplace, you know, I, one that I, I hate this one because it's kind of beating the ground, but it's still very relevant, is just think about the, 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 the ride industry, right? I don't, wanna, I don't want somebody to come in and be the Uber in my industry to disrupt it, right? So now they're having to transform their own industry in the taxi side with, you know, technologies similar uh, like Lyft. So the idea is, can I take and develop an application, right, using a completely new architecture? And that, that completely new market architecture is around microservices, right? And being able to take and, and contain portions of an application. So think about Uber, for example, and I'll call this one out because I, I had an opportunity to work with them early on. And when you, when you think about Uber, you think about it from a consumer perspective on your handheld, um, but in the back end, Right, so think about all, like it, it provides you the driver. Where is the driver at? What are they driving? What's their tag? Each one of those could be a different microservice. So they have about, the last count that I had uh, was over 70 microservices driving that one consumer app, providing you a great experience, but it provides them the flexibility to do a number of things. Number one, it provides very, very, very high resiliency, right? So instead of just trying to do an N plus one environment where we might have a production system failing over to somewhere else, think about if I break the application into microservices, now they can live, those microservices could live all over the place, right? So they might live in 10 data centers. So now I have an N plus 10 environment, right, for high availability to make sure my application is continuing to drive revenue and profit for the business. So platform as a service is really where they should start. And the great thing is you don't have to relearn tool sets. I think everybody first gets concerned that, oh, what's this journey going to be like, right? I, I have developers, but they only know Java. They know .NET. Uh, you know, they don't know maybe Ruby on Rails. Maybe they're a Visual Studio guy. Uh, maybe they're Python, right? All of these frameworks can provide – I can take all those application development environments and publish those as microservices on blobs setting for – for Azure Stack. So the idea is use the tool sets you have to transform your business and, and achieve an outcome. Um, and then the second one, certainly right behind this, is just trying to provide what we talked about earlier, which is, hey, can I quickly transform my IT operations to automate specific processes? Number one, to reduce errors, right? And, 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 and number two, what are we really trying to do is increase time to market to, for the business unit so they don't go out to the public cloud, right? If I have compliance or, or challenge, latency challenges for a specific application, I don't want to, or consumption challenges, I don't want to, you know, force them into that model. So why don't I provide that same experience for them on-prem? So platform as a service and infrastructure as a service are two great entry points um, and, and, and really, you know, where the platform is focused. Very cool. You mentioned something uh, that I thought was interesting, and we're not really talking through <laughs> – why is Azure a great platform in and of itself, right? If you're an Azure customer, Azure Stack on-prem is a great, uh, a great direction to take that. Uh, but I, I found it fascinating in the Azure platform. When you go on there, it's not a Microsoft, right? It's Microsoft owns Azure. It's it's clearly got some the look and the feel of a Microsoft product, but it's not just a Microsoft community. Uh, you go out there and it's got everything. It's got your Apache servers and your uh, different development environments all preloaded that you can just fire up in the, in the in the cloud as a pre-installed workload. Of course, you can build your own workloads. Um, 
it's not a Microsoft only platform, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, you bring up a great point. I mean, so in that what that environment that you saw there is called the design gallery. So that's building out. You know, think about that as building out what they refer to as a service catalog or a set of applications I'm going to deliver to the organization that's available to them, um, which can be back to I want to, to provide the policy and control and management right back to IT of what because they may not want to provide all 10,000 applications sitting in the gallery out to every single business unit. They can create and customize that gallery based off of their ADFS, for example. So a great way of providing policy and control, but still that ease of use front end, like you saw there. And you're 100% right. I mean, when I say literally there's over 10,000 applications in that gallery now. Um, so it, it's pretty amazing, you know, the ecosystem that they've built and continue to build in. Um, one that I'll call out that was just recently introduced that, that I think uh, people would be interested in is I know there's been some interest in, uh, you know, containers. So number one, they've had Docker support for quite some time. So you can take a Docker container and run that container in the Azure, uh, you know, public cloud using the standard blob architecture. So that's no problem. Let's take and, and utilize, you know, containers you may have already built. Um, and But a lot of customers are starting to explore Kubernetes and, and that framework and some of the ease of use that comes with that. Um, and they've actually extended Kubernetes out into the Azure marketplace now as well. Very cool. Uh, is Google or, or Amazon doing anything like this? For the on-premise, uh, for yeah. not, not for the cloud component, <laughs> but for an on-premise version? Yes. So while we are working very closely with Microsoft and have been a partner for a long time, right, going back 20-plus years, um, obviously with one of our sister companies, right, the, uh, underneath the Dell Technologies umbrella, we're working very closely with, with two partners. Um, number one with VMware, right, because everybody would like to be able to extend um, their VMware environment. Typically, think about as common off-the-shelf apps living in VMs, right, it's the not really platform as a service yet there, uh, but being able to extend those out to the public cloud and, and, and migrate and run some of those workloads and, and you know, some type of burst scenario. Uh, so we're working very closely with uh, Amazon on creating a full similar architecture um, to what we've done with Microsoft on Azure Stack of an engineered system using all of the software-defined data center components from VMware, so that obviously includes technologies like NSX, right, from a, from a networking perspective, uh, in that SDDC motion to do the same thing and provide really initially infrastructure as a service in a new um, data center that Amazon is building out. So if anybody knows how Amazon, the AWS architecture is built, it's not really built off tr traditional VMs. They are actually building out a new architecture, a new data center principle they're going to apply everywhere, some of it software-defined that we're working with them on to truly allow you to do the same thing. So I've got ESX bare metal sitting on the other side of AWS, which will allow some interesting use cases, like for customers that might live near regional areas of Amazon. For example, I, I'm near one of them. I'm in Tampa. Uh, the regional center is about 20 miles. What if I could do you know, some type of stretch cluster sitting to that, that AWS, uh, you know, for my existing VMware infrastructure. So, uh, yes, more to come. Uh, that's definitely, a, you know, probably Q2, um, this, you know, uh, calendar year 18, 
um, announcement, but just to give you an idea where things, there's lots of published information. It's on our on our blog, right, that you could follow and, and kind of see some of the development on it. But very, very exciting, and I think it's going to be that customers are going to have a choice, right, of what are they trying to lead with initially. Are they looking for platform as a service, and are they an existing Microsoft customer and, and want to continue to go down that path, or do I have some traditional infrastructure as a, as a service needs that I'd just like to provide better business flexibility and leverage in existing VMware infrastructure. Um, you know, with Amazon, we're going to have kind of two camps and, and uh, you know, allow those markets to mature over time. Very cool. So I placed an order today for a Dell EMC VX Rack Azure Stack solution. Uh, how long till I can deploy a workload on it <laughs> so uh since ours is an engineered system uh no it's a great question uh from from uh so we'll, we'll kind of take it from the point uh you know of, of you've got it on the data center floor it is a wreck right, we've got right. it on the data center store we got it out of the truck we're in place you paid for power um, you got all that stuff already done right so <laughs> exactly uh, you've 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 got cables and optics going to your top of rack switch, um, and then we're just orchestrating everything. It's our, our normal services engagement and delivery around this. Again, back to significantly different than anybody else in the marketplace right now, uh, is about 72 hours from the time that you've got power to us to the time that we're walking out and you're ready to take. What I would say is take that next step, right? So I would put this in very correlation, uh, very much similar to a car. So I just gave you a super high-performance car. I gave you keys to a Ferrari. Um, and now we probably need to do a few more things beyond that, right? So I gave you a fast car, but I want to make sure when you go on the track that you're not going to end up in the wall, right, just because you've never driven that car before. Right, uh, right. So we do have a number of things to help a customer in that journey. Uh, you know, so like if, hey, look, that's great. How do I take and utilize those 10,000 templates in a gallery to build out my service, my custom service catalog, right? So I might have already helped the customer, for example, at a base engagement integrate with ADFS, and they've got some backup. But, hey, I've never developed to this platform. I've never, I've never dealt with blobs before, right? All I've ever dealt with was traditional storage. How does, how does object-based storage change my platform? How do my developers take advantage of it? So we are working with a group of solution providers as well as Dell EMC service, you know, service professionals to kind of help customers in that journey. So quickly get you going with, with three, but you might need some, you know, some additional help to kind of get you quickly down that path. That's great. You know, most people can't deploy a new application in a month, much less an entire cloud platform as a service environment in 72 hours. That's just insane. That's great. Exactly. Back to my Ferrari analogy, right? Yep. <laughs> uh, so I believe that's all I have in terms of questions for you. Is there any points that we that I missed? Um, let me think here. If there's anything else that we we did not talk about that's relevant, um, talk about resource. I I don't think I, I think that's a good high level overview, and and obviously the whole thing, right? The whole concept that I think we kind of drilled home through our conversation, right, is really trying to eliminate complexity and friction, you know, from the for the time to deliver an outcome for the business unit, right? So the whole concept of taking something from 
development, right? And this is the changing paradigm. DevOps, you know, they're used to taking and publishing multiple changes a day. Um, they need to be able to do that to transform the business and, you know, outflank your competitors. So how do I help them do that and achieve that goal? You know, cloud-native applications is definitely a better way to, to you know, achieve that. Um, one thing, and, and you might have this in the follow-on, uh, so sorry if I step into this, but it might be, it kind of parlays right into it. And another thing would be that I get the common question, of, hey, Alan, all this sounds great. Where do I start, right? Like you, you mentioned, hey, go out and, and you know, look at an Azure public instance, certainly a great way to do that. Uh, the next thing, especially as you know, people are going, hey, I want to develop to a platform. I want to see its capabilities. I want to utilize DB to tie into it and start publishing apps. I want to see what blobs look like. Um, we actually have worked with Microsoft very closely. And, and again, a little bit different in our approach. Not every OEM has this offering. Um, where we have a developer's edition. So it's a single node platform that you can just, you know, it's a reference architecture designed to just load the, the trial Azure Stack on and allow you to allow the developers to continue to start publishing um, to the platform and learn, learn, you know, how do they do this and how do they utilize it. And it's a great opportunity for the IT operations team to understand, hey, what are templates and galleries and what would I look at in my service catalog Again, to your point, what you said there earlier, Stuart, it would also, now it's building familiarity before you roll into production. So now they've kind of seen all this and they go, okay, this isn't so overwhelming. I've already done this for the last three or four months and I know what I want to deliver to my business unit. Awesome. Uh, so the developer's edition is out there. Is that, they have to buy a server? Can they spin up a VM and throw Azure out there? Uh, or it's just a product that we sell as a developer's edition? Yeah, yeah, we, we sell it as a developer's edition reference architecture to that small, medium, and, and high compute that we kind of walk through. Um, so they're in those three groupings. They're a little bit higher in in the developers because, obviously, since you only have a single node, uh, we wanted to make sure that there was enough resources there, right, for the programmers to, to utilize. So slightly larger than what you see, but kind of roughly correlates to small, medium, and high, and then... Uh, you can get your Azure Stack, which runs bare metal on that server, right, to, to actually start utilizing the platform. Awesome. Uh, you mentioned a blog that you've got out there for this. What is that? Yeah, I, so, yeah, so I would highly recommend, it's not one that I have, but certainly Microsoft has an Azure blog. Um, and, in fact, it's fairly easy to find. It's just azure.microsoft.com slash en for English dash us slash blog <laughs> and that'll get you right to the Azure blog and, and they are constantly iterating every day of any net new announcements and the, as we kind of talked about the rapid delivery schedule of what they're doing and kind of what the roadmap looks like even from a scalability perspective are all published out there the Kubernetes announcement everything you see will be announced there. Cool. And, uh, and, of course, I'll put those out in the show notes for everyone as well, so you can just link right to them. Uh, do you tweet, Alan? Uh, I, I, unfortunately, I travel nationwide, so I don't have a whole lot of time to tweet. But if you if you have something specific you'd like me to contribute to, I'd be glad to start. No, we would just uh, you know share, share the link. But if anybody needs anything, uh, you can always reach out to us, and we'll get a hold of Alan or one of his 
peers or somebody in your region that is a, a subject matter expert to, to help out and, and get things going for our customers and for our partners. Alan, yeah, any final comments? Team dedicated. I'd say we do have a whole team dedicated uh, at Dell EMC specifically for this kind of cloud journey. So, you know, please, yeah, just don't don't hesitate to reach out. We'll help ensure that you're engaged with the right resources. We'll do it for our listeners. Trey Mears, I believe, is part of that team. He's actually been on this show before. So uh, love getting him engaged all the time. And all uh, everybody he works with, is they're, they're all rock stars out there. So, well, Alan, thank you very much. Uh, greatly appreciate your time. For anybody that wants to reach out, this is Stuart Harmon. You can reach me at Stuart at work, or you can reach out to us uh, at TalkingIO.com. Uh, this, of course, be published along with the rest of our shows out on, well, if you're listening to it, you already know what it's published on. Uh, Alan, thank you so much for the time. Greatly appreciate it. And we will talk soon. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. This has been another episode of Talking IO with host Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon. We appreciate you listening. Follow us on TalkingIO.com or on Twitter at TalkingIO. 